Welcome back, little creepy cats. We are bringing you our second episode of Killer Kids Allentown Edition. Today, Melissa will be telling Jackie about the Howarth family murders, which were inspired by the Freeman family massacre. This story is dark and murder will be discussed. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy Podcast. Ew! <laughs> <laughs> we have a five-year-old as our guest today. <laughs> that's my sound effect for something that's ew. Thanks, Jackie. I won't do anything that's creepy. I'm going to record that and now just use that as a sound bite every time. Let's put that in our theme song instead of the laugh. It'll just be that. Oh my god, yeah. We'll just have, anytime there's silence or something, just make it be like, ew. <laughs> I'll just get that exact sound bite that we just had. Okay, so let's just jump right into today's story. And as you guys know, we said last time that this was going to relate to the Freeman family murders. So as I'm sure you can guess, if it's going to relate to the Freeman family murders, we have a copycat killer situation going on. Ooh, I'm scared. Because the other guys were some savages. Yeah, this one is a, this one is different. Um, let's just get right into it because it is, it's horrific again. And it's just horrible. Great. Yep. So let me just poison your brains with this horrible event because I know you guys love it. <laughs> Yep. Um, So the family in this case is going to be the Howarth family. They also lived right outside Allentown, Pennsylvania. They lived in a smaller town called McCungie Township, also located in Lehigh County, where the Freeman family lived as well. McCungie Township is a middle to upper class neighborhood, and they were very religious. Again, same sort of demographics and backgrounds as with the Freeman family murders. Small town, very religious, um, very brought up on kind of those religious morals. The parents in this story are... Are... (laughs) Pirate. (laughs) George and Susan... So, George Howarth was an engineer who also worked as a Sunday school teacher. And Susan was a secretary at a local church. Clearly, religion runs in the family. And in the town. Exactly. (laughs) Their son, Jeffrey, was 16 at the time of the Freeman family murders. And their son, Stephen, was 21. Jeffrey was described as being super quiet He wasn't known to make conversation with anyone. He wouldn't really speak unless someone spoke to him. Um, They said sometimes that he was so quiet you would forget he was even there. That kind of quiet. It's like a fly on the wall. Basically. You know the type in high school. Don't you wish that you could be a fly on the wall? (laughs) Oh my god. Hey, Miley. (laughs) Miss Miley. Yep, it's me. 
So, growing up, Jeremy participated in Boy Scouts. He was on the swim team. He was an active member of his church. All around, he was a great kid with a promising future. But the only kind of problem or issue that Jeremy had was that he was not as academically successful as his older brother, Stephen. Stephen was a champion swimmer, and he graduated and went to Penn State, which is pretty prestigious. Hmm. Um, Jeremy was kind of the opposite. He wasn't, you know, the star student or anything like that. So I think that really just affected him a lot growing up. Oh, that's sad because there's something like wrong with that. Not everyone has to be an amazing student. Exactly. The Howarth parents are said to have made all efforts to treat the boys equally and not impose any sort of rivalry between the older and younger brother. However, it was known that Jeffrey sometimes felt like the black sheep of the family since his other sibling was deemed as more intelligent and more successful by typical society standards and again this is in 1995 where I'm sure it was even more kind of imposed that you need to live up to your older sibling standards yeah um so Jeffrey really felt that and they're boys I feel like it's like you're supposed to be like your older brother like you know right yeah yeah no matter what sibling especially if when there's only two of you then you're really just compared to one another Jackie and I obviously can tell you that growing up, it did sometimes feel like people just always compare you to your sibling, whether they mean to or not. Um, But Jeremy was actually diagnosed with a slight learning disability. So it wasn't just that he wasn't as intelligent. You know, there was a reason for it. He just needed to learn um, kind of in a different way. But Jeremy... And I'm sure nobody was understanding that in 1995. (laughs) Yeah. So as you can presume, he had every necessity he needed. Um, No, he didn't. It was 1995. (laughs) (laughs) They helped him none. (laughs) Yeah. He was distanced slightly from his peers due to this disability. Again, it was 1995 and 1996 and people weren't as understanding and it wasn't as common as it is now in 2021. He probably suffered some slight social anxiety because he was already pretty quiet. And now when he was coming into his teens, um, he was really, you know, having this disability. So he wasn't making friends or doing anything like that, which never makes anything better. Either way, Stephen moved out when Jeffrey was around 15 to live at Penn State. Um, but unfortunately, that did help Jeffrey kind of at home. But... He was deemed sort of as sensitive by his classmates and was frequently bullied for either his disability or social awkwardness since, again, he was so quiet and didn't really have a lot of friends or try to make friends. Similar to the Freeman brothers, we were seeing this slow kind of building of negative emotions, but in this case with Jeremy Howorth, he wasn't showing it. He wasn't acting out at all. He just was holding everything in and just continuing on with life as if he wasn't feeling any type of way. Which is like the worst thing he can do. Exactly. Wait, did he go to the same high school as the other kid? No. So they're in the same township, but I mean, that's like, they're in the same county so, oh, okay. you know, there are a lot of different school districts. Yeah, I just, I just wondered. I They're like, less than 10 miles apart, but... Okay. But they, they, didn't, they didn't know each other. No. Okay. And 
there is this resentment building towards Stephen, obviously, for being considered the star child and resentment towards his parents for encouragement. Then there's the social anxiety building because he's being bullied all the time. He has no real friends. Uh, as you can start to see, there's no reprieve or escape. He can't come home and be at home. He can't go to school and feel really happy. So he's really just becoming so distanced and... Again, because he was very quiet, he wasn't acting out on this at all. When Jeremy was 16, further fuel was added to the fire when Stephen came home from Penn State because there was a job that Stephen needed to work for class credit and he temporarily moved back in while he was in school to work that job. Oh, I wonder if that's going to make things better or worse. Yeah, and obviously I don't think Jeffrey said because he's the type where he's not telling anyone I feel like this because of this. He's a quiet bean. Right, but I'm sure as you can imagine, he wasn't like, yay, Steven's coming home. (laughs) I'm sure he was a, like, son of a bitch. (laughs) But Jeffrey also had more difficulty in school once he reached this age because, like you listeners know, once you reach that age, 16, 17... In school, they start pushing you to take the SATs and to worry about standardized testing rather than really, they're not teaching you as much in the classroom and things like that. Which is a whole different form of anxiety on its own. Truly. Um, And this was a sore subject for Jeffrey because he had a learning disability, so standardized testing isn't just going to be easy for him. This is anxiety already before he's even actually trying to take the test. Um... Which I'm sure is, like, makes testing anxiety ten times worse for him. So I can only imagine how difficult that is. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey received his scores and they were deemed as low. But the Howarth family was said to not have a reaction. And they said to... They were accepting of him no matter what. However, it was clear that Jeffrey started to develop this opinion of himself as being an embarrassment to his family. No. Yeah. That makes me sad. Mm-hmm. One student even told a classmate that Mrs. Howorth, um, so Susan Howorth, had told their mother and family friends that she believed something was wrong with Jeffrey's personality and that he had some sort of personality disorder also, but that the father, George, did not want to seek any outside help or treatment for the personality disorders. Well, that might not be good if he does. Yeah. Everything really reaches a tipping point when Jeffrey sees the TV and media attention given to the Friedman brothers because this was a couple miles away from him. Oh, God. Yeah. He sees those Nazi tattoos. I hope he doesn't want the same thing. Well, he didn't necessarily... He didn't relate to that at all. He (laughs) he does seem like he was more of a a good soul deep down. Um, Okay. Not much is a little bit better. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say that, honestly. I don't know if he was a good soul. What do I know? But either way... He at least wasn't into white supremacy. No, he didn't get into the the Nazi BS. He was more... He did see the boys, though, and kind of feel he could relate to them a little bit, hearing their story that they were kind of these outcasts and misfits that had a problem, which was their parents, and found a solution, which was ridding themselves of said problem. Um... And as just horrible and messed up as that is, that is kind of where Jeffrey was admiring the Freeman brothers. Yikes. 
Yeah, it's a pretty bad thing to admire in somebody that yeah. they just slayed their family. Yeah. And their brother, who had nothing to do with it. Let's not forget that. I mean, not like their parents did anything to deserve that, but their innocent brother really did nothing. Yeah, it's not good, Jackie. It's not good. <laughs> Melissa! I'm sorry. Let's just get into the All rest right, of it. Keep going, I guess. <laughs> On March 2nd, 1996... The news and radio and all of the 1996 media in town is making it known that the Freeman brothers have now finally been captured. On that same day, Jeffrey received a Spanish test that he had previously taken and learned that he had failed the test. With the news of the boys being captured and now knowing that he had failed this big Spanish test and would need to tell his parents when he got home, Jeffrey comes up with a plan. Jeffrey went home, and he's the first to arrive. He gets the family's twenty-two caliber rifle, the family gun that was used in case of emergencies, and decides to wait and hide out. Um, I believe he had initially planned to wait and hide out for Stephen, but I, no one can really confirm. Stephen, though, is not the first to come home. Jeffrey sees his mother, Susan, actually coming through the door. Without any hesitation, Jeffrey shoots his mother at close range with the rifle. What? Yes. Wow, that, I wasn't expecting that. Mrs. Howorth was shot and sent back, but she did have the strength to try and escape. She did attempt to run out the front door but Jeffrey um, grabbed her by the collar of her coat when she was leaving and dragged her back inside and continued to shoot her from close range with the rifle. Ew, that's like really full of hate for your parents not really doing anything to you. Yeah, it's very personal. Susan Howarth was shot a total of nine times, three in the face and six to the back of her head. Oh, that is just like you were taking out your anger on the world. With a twenty-two caliber rifle. Wow. Jeffrey's father, George, arrived home shortly from work after the murder of Susan and was also ambushed. Jeffrey's father was shirt... Shirt, sorry. (laughs) First shot in the stomach and continued to be shot in the upper torso until he was dead. I believe that his father only suffered... Four or five shots, but either way was also killed um, by Jeffrey with the rifle. Wow, they must not live like super close to anybody because you would think that somebody would hear hella rounds going off. I think they lived in a residential, so I'm not really sure about wow. that. <laughs> but I, I can't confirm that actually, but that's a good point. By the time that Stephen finally arrived home, he could see both his mother and father lying in the doorway. Stephen called the police, um, who have to break into the house, and they determined that both the Howorth parents were deceased at the scene. And it is horrible that Stephen, the son, had to come home and see his mother and father lying in the doorway, deceased. That's horrific. I could only, I couldn't even imagine. But he didn't even kill Stephen. No. We'll get into that. Okay. Stephen quickly told the police what weapons were in the house, and he told them that there was the family rifle, and police discovered that that was missing along with the family's car. 
So investigators now go into Jeffrey's room and they find notes scattered around the room that were implicating him in these murders. So he is not trying to get away with it. No, not by any means. The notes specifically mention the Freeman brother murders and how Jeffrey admired them and admired the attention that the brothers had received from the media following the murders. Jeffrey clearly in these little notes was making it known that he was seeking some sort of social attention or um, something of that nature. However, there was one note that was addressed to Steve, his brother, basically that said Steve should not be surprised and that Jeffrey had warned him that this was coming. But Stephen swore to police that he had no awareness of Jeffrey's plan to kill the family and that he didn't know that Jeffrey felt this way about the family or anything like that. That's tough, because on the one hand, like, if your sibling did just be like, oh, I'm going to kill you one day, it's like, on the one hand, you really would not take that seriously, but on the other hand, it kind of just seems like he snapped. Like, it, it seems like a quiet kid, so surprising that he said he told his brother that. It is, honestly, because, you know, it's it was never one of these things where he was yelling out saying you know, yelling to his parents, saying things about Stephen, he was quiet and there were never arguments or issues between the two of them. So I do believe that Stephen wasn't told of this or had no knowledge of this. Maybe I think he just wrote this note in the heat of the moment. I'm really surprised he didn't kill Stephen. Yeah. Um, more on that. So at this point, it's clear to police that Jeffrey was the culprit and that Jeffrey had taken the rifle and the family car and had left from the scene. Investigators were nervous, too, that Jeffrey might come back to the school and sort of, you know, take any revenge necessary or anything like that. But um, it was also kind of clear at the same time that Jeffrey was not really, like, it was kind of clear that this sort of revolved around family issues and his feelings towards his parents and Stephen rather than anyone else. He wasn't a criminal at large. No, not not necessarily. I mean, he definitely was a, a criminal and yeah, now he's but on he the run. He wasn't going to go on like a shooting spree. They, no, there was no evidence to suggest that he was going to continue out any sort of plan. Um, so police and even Stephen... Even Steven. Oh my god. Oh my god. Sorry. Even Steven, the Disney show. Ugh. What happened to Shia LaBeouf? Shutters. Shutters in Disney. Speaking of which, we'll have an episode on Shia LaBeouf one of these days. Oh my god. Shutters and Shia. We aren't FK twigs. We stand with you. Yeah, we don't. Yeah. We'll but... talk about that. <laughs> yeah, this is not the time or the place to discuss Mr. LaBeouf. Yeah. But, so it's kind of obvious, again, based on the notes that, and it was clear to everyone that Jeffrey could have easily just waited at home for Stephen. He got back pretty soon after the murders. So they were kind of thinking that the murders were done as a punishment for Stephen directly because it was something that Jeffrey could control that Stephen could not. And finally, he could have this thing that was his own. As horrible as it is, and that was kind of early on what investigators and everyone were assuming the only reason they could have for this murder. That's horrible. Like, 
that is rough because it really doesn't seem like Stephen did much or meant to do any no. harm. And I don't think the parents meant to make Jeffrey feel that yeah, way. Yeah, it never seemed like they purposely like divided the sons or anything or was like, you need to live up to Stephen. Yeah. Three days after the murders, um, well, the next day after the murders, Jeffrey's car was found in Missouri. So they knew he had fled at that point there. And three days after that, Jeffrey was found camping out close to where his vehicle was found. Ironically, Jeffrey was surviving for three days out in the wilderness using the Boy Scout trainings and tactics that his father had once taught him. When police found Jeffrey, he admitted to everything and he was sent back peacefully to his to Pennsylvania for his trial. Police noted that Jeffrey was quiet. He didn't make any attempts to escape or to even talk about the murder. They said that he seemed out of it and just didn't even seem like he was processing what was going on. Yeah, it kind of seems like he is does not realize what he just did. Yeah. They said that he was well-behaved and, you know, didn't make any problems, but that he seemed exhausted and, again, like he was out of it and not aware, really, of the situation. Um, so due to the odd nature of the crime, seemingly everything being brought on by a failed Spanish quiz and having to tell his parents that he failed it, Jeffrey was sent off for a psychological evaluation and the psych evaluation did determine that Jeffrey did actually have undiagnosed mental issues. No, that's what the mom thought. Yes. And, um, so when Jeffrey goes to trial, that is exactly what his defense is going to lean on. So Jeffrey ended up going to trial a few months following the murders and his defense attorney relied heavily on the psychological evaluations that were done. They really, really played off the psych evaluation. Um, yeah, that's their only hope. <laughs> yeah, and they actually said that one in one psychiatrist claimed that Jeffrey admitted to them that they had planned to murder their parents since age five. And from age 5 to 16, Jeffrey's plan was to kill both his parents at age 30. I'm not sure where age what? 30 came from. So he definitely had some, like, like I feel like he had these issues and thoughts before and that um, the Freeman murder brought them to the fourth front. And that's exactly what his defense attorney said. He said that he had this undiagnosed mental issue from age five going onward and that when he saw the Freeman family the Freeman family massacre he thought that he could get the media attention and that if another 16 year old and 17 year old kid could kill their parents Jeffrey could do the same thing and the psychologist did deem Jeffrey as mentally unstable and said that he, in their opinion, he was mentally insane at the time of the murders. Um, the defense said that his, um, the psychiatrist claimed that he, he was clinically depressed and possibly had bipolar disorder. And because of these, because of 
clinical depression and bipolar disorder not being treated from age 5 to 16, that he had no coping skills and his emotions were heightened at all times because he never had a diagnosis. So the defense is saying that he could not have dealt with his parents' reaction to him failing a Spanish test because in his mind, this was catastrophic and the end of, like, he could not handle it. And because he couldn't handle it, and he was seeing all of this on the media about the Freeman family murders, that was his only escape. Way out. Yeah. That's so sad. That just breaks my heart that, like, people feel that way and I'm sure if they get the help they need it can really be beneficial yeah and it is really sad just thinking that he always just thought he was this embarrassment and things like that um but at the same time it does make you wonder but he's also a murderer like he did also kill his family so let's not get it twisted and it makes you wonder if you told a psychiatrist at age five that you had planned on killing your parents and all through your life and you just planned it when you were 30 why was there ever a reason for killing them then? Like, it kind of doesn't make sense. Were you always feeling like you were an embarrassment? Yeah, and why is killing the only solution to being an embarrassment? Well, I think that the defense is saying that because he was never treated, he could never come up with solutions. Oh, Um, okay, yeah. You know? Okay, that makes sense. But the prosecution is, is saying, no, 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 no. Jeffrey was of sound mind. He knew what he was doing. Stephen testified describing how he found his parents. And when he did, Jeffrey just sat silent and stared off in the distance. But prosecutors, they didn't really have a motive as evidence. They weren't kind of just sticking to that picture of Stephen is the golden child. Jeffrey's the problem child. Um, they used the note that Stephen had written himself or I'm sorry, that Jeffrey wrote himself addressed to Stephen saying that you knew this was going to happen and the prosecutors are using that as evidence that this was planned to be the ultimate revenge on Stephen and to be the ultimate betrayal to his brother Stephen and this entire thing was to just hurt his brother Stephen. That's horrible. So that was really all the prosecutors had because there was no other evidence or motive even in all of the notes that were written That was all Jeffrey was saying, was just inspired by the Freeman murders and then the note to Stephen. In the end, the jury found Jeffrey Howarth not guilty by reasons of insanity. Wow. I mean, I kind of don't mind that judgment. They clearly believed that there was really this picture being painted by the defense that the jury believed that there's this average teenage boy and he would not just kill his parents over a failed Spanish test unless there was something going on and he was mentally unstable at that time. Yeah, that's per- that's pretty persuasive to me. It is persuasive and it is kind of like... For, Still sad though. It's very sad. And for once, the defense had more evidence than the prosecution did that he was more mentally unstable than he was stable. Yeah. But on the other hand, I read that when it was reported that he was found not guilty, I read that Jeffrey smiled and shook his defense attorney's hand following the verdict with 
some people were not pleased with saying that this showed that he was happy he was found not guilty and kind of acknowledging he had the yeah the uh, mental state to realize that much right yeah but um the defense stuck to this stuck to their guns and I even read somewhere I think this was someone on the jury um or maybe an attorney and I'm sorry that I don't know exactly but someone said that this entire case was the cause of mental health issues going untreated. Yeah, I would agree with that. And the Freeman murder, that's for sure. Eh, the Freeman murder is more questionable. I don't really know if they had mental health issues or if they were just Oh, no, I meant like teenagers. This, no, I meant like this case. Oh, like like the two things that influenced this the most was mental health and and the Freeman murders. Yeah, the Freeman murders being published all over the place. Cuz I don't know if he ever would have or maybe yeah, it's really, it's hard to say. Yeah, it's hard to say if he ever would have, like, lashed out if the, he didn't see that all over the media. Yeah, I'm really neutral in this. I really think it could go one way or another, honestly. And we'll never know, so there's no point of really saying. Yep. But let um, just a couple more things to follow up with. Following the verdict, uh, Jeffrey Howarth was immediately sent to Norristown State Hospital's forensic unit for a 90-day psych- psychiatric evaluation. At the end of each stay, the judge in the in Jeffrey's case will evaluate the hospital diagnosis and determine if Jeffrey should be released or if he will stay until um, stay for another year and be reevaluated. Because in the state institution in Pennsylvania, you can only stay for one year until they have to reevaluate you and determine if you're released or not. Interesting. So that is what has been happening. So with each evaluation, Jeffrey is trying to prove that he could live and succeed on his own without any issues or problems and become a, a working member of society. It has been reported that Jeffrey is a completely different person since the shooting. To this day, Jeffrey is still in the state hospital. Um, he has not been released as far as I know. The only... It is hard, though, to find reports. The last article I found was in 2006, and the only reason why there was a report was because Jeffrey was being sent to a less restrictive unit due to good behavior. So Jeffrey was being moved from a civil unit. He's living in a civil unit rather than a criminal unit. Unit. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, A criminal union. (laughs) That would be horrible. A criminal marriage. A marriage of two Yeesh. Bonnie and Clyde. Girl. But, so he has a little bit more privileges. Again, he's still in the institution. He is not being released. He just is not in the criminal part of the um, hospital anymore. A report from 2004, a discussion with a psychiatrist, said that Jeffrey now shows far less anxiety and is able to talk about the murders Whereas before, he could not even talk about them or his feelings. He kind of would just get quiet and not even have a reaction. That is the last report I could find. So it seems that Jeffrey is making progress but has not been released. Stephen was reported to be at Jeffrey's hearings, but he does not speak to Jeffrey at these hearings. He, um, Stephen goes with his wife. Now, my last little note for you guys, because I don't want anyone coming for us saying that this is like a pro-Jeffrey type podcast. I just want to say that we're neutral. And I will point out that 
People in Lehigh County were pissed with this verdict. They were not happy. This wasn't, you know, no one was thinking, yay, mental health. It's 1996. And they saw a 16-year-old kid inspired by these other murders who murdered his own family. And they were very upset. The Lehigh County District Attorney Robert Steinberg pointed out after the case and after the verdict that Jeffrey Howorth was found not criminally responsible for his parents' murders, which means that he could inherit part of their estate when he's released. Ooh, that much is a little... Yeah. That's kind of messed up. Yeah. Um, It's not by any means, yeah, it's like not by any means that I'm happy about the verdict because it sucks no matter what. Like, mm -hmm. it sucks no matter what would have happened. It's just that I really do think that some people, even who kill, can at least be rehabilitated in some sense. Yeah. And he just, it just seems a little too random, too crazy for this kid to be like a natural born killer. It just does seem like something has to be at play. Yeah, it's hard to say. I would honestly like to know Stephen um, Howarth's opinion as the brother, as the one who found the murders. He's the real, real, real victim he in really the story. Is. He lost everything and for yeah. really no fault of his own. Like, he did nothing to, to deserve any of this. Right. Like, it's up to debate whether Jeffrey is a victim or an attacker. I mean, either way, he's an attacker. So, it's an, an attacker, it's a question whether he is, um, you know, a victim and mental health and the stigma around it in 1996 failed him or if he is the perpetrator who initiated this whole thing. It's hard to say, but... Lehigh County seems to think that he's a perpetrator and he's not a victim. The de- um, Jeffrey's defense attorney, Dennis Charles, has been very outspoken about the numerous threats he's received. He had a large rock thrown through a glass window of his home, which he does not think is a coincidence. That's not cool. Let people do their job. And they have, when they were writing articles about this, they were writing the articles and calling it Dennis Charles gets Jeffrey Howorth off of murder of parents. So as you can see, it's not, it was an entire stigma about even mental health being a reason to get him out of this. After this happened, people were saying Pennsylvania, people were very outspoken saying Pennsylvania needs to get rid of an insanity plea saying that other states have done it. We shouldn't even have this topic. If you did it, you're guilty. Oh, God. All of that, not even going to get into, but I just wanted to bring it up so you guys could see that it wasn't just like, yay, mental health and mental health awareness. People were very upset about this, and I'm sure still to this day are. Your opinion is your own. You're entitled to have it. We won't get into that, but... We respect everybody's opinion here. We do, and like I said, this one's very... This one's pretty 50-50. It could go either way. But, again, Stephen Howorth and the Howorth family are the real victims. Um, and that's just a horrible, incredible, insurmountable loss to have. So, I let's just leave it at saying that they're the real victims. And your opinion on Jeffrey and his mental health and the reasons why he did it are up to you. Yeah, that's your own, but it still doesn't take away from the horrific nature of what happened and the fact that Stephen lost, like, his whole entire family. 
Yeah, it's so horrible. It really is. And like you said, he did nothing wrong and his parents did nothing wrong. Same, um, you know, so this one's really just horrible. The Freeman family murder had a lot of build. This one doesn't have as much drama and things like that, which make it almost even crazier thinking that someone could just do this out of the blue after 16 years of being a great child. Yeah, just from being inspired by something that somebody else did that was, like, shown on the news. It's right? crazy. But maybe if it was mental health, then maybe it wasn't out of the blue. Yeah, maybe it was just a matter of time and, like, the circumstances that made it happen. Right? We're not going to say that's your opinion, sisters, brothers, non-binaries. Have your opinions. That is crazy, though. Have your opinion. My opinion is that you should leave us a rating and a review on Apple. Yeah, that's my opinion, too. And then my other opinion is that you should go listen to my podcast, The Tea on Trauma, (laughs) if you need some, uh, some brightening up after that. A little shameless plug. Yeah. I'm feeling so awkward that I just told you this horrible story and all I know is to shamelessly plug myself, so I'm sorry if that was inappropriate. It's it is awkward, I will say guys. It's awkward telling a podcast story and then ending it when it's so sad and there's no winners. Like there it's just isn't. so blah. So it's just like, Oh sorry that we just told you guys this sad story. Yeah, but I should stop apologizing because you guys knew what you're in for and you love it. And it also needs to just be told so people remember the victims. Mm-hmm. And I like telling these ones because it's not all black and white. It's not all everyone knew from a young age that he had issues. And, uh-huh. and it's not all Nazi boys with tattoos where you see it coming. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is the quiet one who you think is a perfect little angel being who ends up doing something horrible because they don't have help or because they are plotting and secretly totally fucked. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough, and um, it sucks, but we're still going to tell you guys the stories. Yeah, but let us know your opinion. Let us know if you thought yeah, that Jeffrey planned it. Yeah, tell us your it. thoughts. Let us know if you think he planned this whole thing to get back at Steven, or if it was mental health playing into it. We can chat about it. Just come find us and let us know. Yeah, come chat with us on Instagram, or leave us a review. Reach out to us any way you would like. We'll be here for you. We'll listen. We'll chat. We'll discuss. Always. Thank you guys so much for listening to another episode. And we will be back next time with a new theme. And I'm sure it will be just as creepy. But hopefully not as depressing. Yeah. Let's, we'll try and do something not as soul crushing. Yeah. <laughs> but no promises. No. Never. <laughs> <laughs> Love you all. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.